0: welcome back to middle school it's a zoo out there so just be cool don't speak too loud try to fit in but if you don't
1: everyone and welcome to The Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. I'm your host Marissa Cantor and with me as always is Sam Chang.
0: Hello Marissa, it is great to be back podcasting about Lizzie McGuire once again and right off the bat we are back on Miranda Watch. But I'm not going anywhere. She went somewhere, spoiler alert.
1: <laughs> yeah. Second episode in a row.
0: Yeah, she is quote unquote sick.
1: Good excuse.
0: Yeah, great. That's only an excuse that you can use once, all right? And then even your parents are like, Are you really sick?
1: As Joe McGuire knows well.
0: (laughs) Well, Joe McGuire didn't even give it one chance. He was like, (laughs) No, you're a liar.
1: I feel like I'm watching AU Lizzie McGuire right now. I don't know. Today, it felt like we were watching almost a different show.
0: (laughs) It did um, a little bit. And you know, I I still maintain that it's because Miranda is the glue that's holding this whole thing together and it's just slowly starting to, like what, we'll get into this more obviously, but Gordo's profession of love, like Miranda, <laughs> please come back. <laughs> Everything is falling apart without you here. The balance is just thrown off.
1: Yeah, Gordo really fell apart quickly.
0: It would be like if Ron Weasley just decided, hey, I'm transferring this year. The, the entire universe would just fall apart. <laughs> like you need Ron Weasley there. Just like you need uh Miranda there.
1: I know. Her her absence is really felt in this episode.
0: Yeah, and no offense, but Melina, you know, you do not replace Miranda. I see what the I see what they're trying to do. They're like, Oh, Melina's a girl. <laughs> she can she can just step in and replace Miranda. No. All right. There's only one Miranda and Melina gives it her best shot, but and you know, she is written a little bit more three-dimensionally this season than in seasons prior where she was kind of just like, I don't know if bully is the right word, but like, I don't know. She she really only had one note. She's she's getting a, a couple more dimensions here in these past two episodes, but she's no Miranda replacement for me.
1: Well, yeah, I think what you're trying to get at with Melina is that she is really just written to be the female version of Matt. And now she is finally becoming... Melina
0: yeah um like her own person crazy crazy enough
1: character development on Lizzie McGuire
0: yeah crazy uh Marissa March Madness has started are you mad for March
1: only because I am in a relationship with you I have to say
0: you say that I'm not even a huge college basketball fan but just doing like putting together a bracket trash talking your family members It's just a tradition of of mine and and my family's in general, and so you know, none of us follow college basketball that closely. My dad will say he does, but really he only watches UConn women, which is just like, I don't know why you would, well, I shouldn't say this because my grandmother is also a big UConn women fan, but they win every time. It's not a big surprise. Um, The men's college basketball season is a much more um, high-variance affair, especially the tournament itself, and so... You know, I don't know really that much about who should or should not win in a given matchup. Not that it would matter because, you know, the tournament always goes sideways anyways. I think we're recording this on uh, Saturday night. And so it's day two of the tournament and already there's no more perfect brackets. So, uh, you know, it eludes me. But one day, one day I will have that perfect bracket. And Warren Buffett will be like, congratulations, you get a million dollars.
1: Wow, you stole my line because I was going to say that one day I will have a perfect bracket. What I, did you name your bracket this year? My bracket's name is 0% skill, 100% invested. Um, and that, that's true. And I think that's why it will work. I think the fact that I don't follow it closely, because you realize really quickly that it doesn't really matter. Like truly anything can happen.
0: Did you have a um, a strategy?
1: I mean, I always pick the one seeds to win the first game.
0: That got you in trouble last time we did this. Not a year ago, because there was no tournament, but the year prior.
1: That's true. That was a big upset.
0: Big upset. UMBC, never forget.
1: <laughs> um, and then I try to, like, predict what the upsets will be, just based on schools that I have some affinity toward.
0: So school affinity is your strategy.
1: Um, But... I'm usually wrong. I don't know. Like, this year, I went all in on Baylor. I don't really know why. Maybe subliminally, it's because I am currently listening to Jessica Simpson's memoir, and she was discussing Baylor. I think one of her relatives went to Baylor.
0: Got you. I also went with Baylor this year, so Gonzaga is pretty much... The boring consensus pick, just because they they went through the season undefeated. My dad went with Gonzaga because he's boring. I didn't want to go that way because Gonzaga, you know, plays in a weak conference. So they're usually pretty good. And then it's a little bit overblown because they haven't played as many good teams. And so they usually kind of fall apart in the tournament. And so that's why I didn't want to go with them. And so I went with Baylor. And so this is actually going to come down to a lot more of kind of the the things that we put in the middle because I feel like our brackets are actually going to be very very similar.
1: Yeah. See, you at least had a logic for picking Baylor. I was just like, yeah, let's go.
0: Well, you know, best of luck to you. Best of luck to anybody who we don't we don't put money into this, so there's oh, no real. Oh no, stakes. it
1: is purely just we are competitive with each other, but we picked the same team this year, so. We're kind of on the same team.
0: This isn't a fantasy football situation for me, so luckily it doesn't need to take up all of my time. Although I do enjoy actually watching the games.
1: Yeah, they are really fun because anything can happen.
0: It is uh, the first day of spring today, although it didn't feel like it, but hopefully it gets warmer soon. And uh, with that, you know, we all get vaccinated.
1: Um, I feel like it is another week, another MCU update. Oh, yes. Um, Yes, listeners, you are just along on this journey with us for as long as there is an outfit repeaters. And honestly, we are wrapping it up. We are nearing the end here. But yeah, this week we watched Thor, next movie in the chronological MCU universe order. It was a fun one. It felt different than all of the movies we've seen so far tonally. I get the sense that Thor takes itself less seriously. That's,
0: uh, that's generally correct, yes.
1: I mean, I thought it was a decent introduction. All I've heard as someone who has been outside of the MCU is that Thor Ragnarok is the best movie in the franchise. So I am eagerly awaiting that. So I can say that for myself.
0: How did you feel about uh, Dr. Jane Foster, the Natalie Portman character?
1: I mean, underdeveloped, but better than Pepper pots. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Um, I feel like the Jane Foster character generally gets a lot of hate. She's a little bit one-dimensional. It's not, you know... I feel like Natalie Portman has, uh, you know, established herself as a, as a very talented actress, but this was definitely not a, a role for her to really showcase that.
1: Yeah, I mean, they didn't really give her much to do. I was surprised. Like, she's the Natalie Portman. Give her material. Yeah, I mean, I'm very intrigued by the Thor piece of this universe. The sibling dynamic between Thor and Loki um I really love a good anti-hero. Um so I'm really interested to see where things go with Loki, especially knowing how it ends because I've seen Endgame.
0: Yeah, but I feel like you didn't retain the details of Endgame that made Endgame such a good finale. So I feel That's like That's
1: probably true. I think you it'll know, feel like watching it for the first yeah, time. Yeah, you didn't
0: know what you should have been looking for. And so the little tidbits of, you know, gold, those fun little moments, I feel like you'll enjoy them more on a rewatch.
1: I definitely think that's true. And also I got to meet the character that my cousin named his child Odin after
0: I mean that wasn't like Odin. It I'll wasn't father. it wasn't the Anthony Hopkins version. <laughs> Of Odin, like Odin is, you know, a, a Norse mythological god
1: No, I know, but no, <laughs> I'm literally telling you that When my father asked him about the na- where the name came from Literally the answer was he's Thor's father
0: Yeah, but he's always been Thor's father for, you know, centuries and centuries
1: Knowing my cousin, it's a Marvel thing just let it happen. You, you think
0: your cousin is named after the Anthony Hopkins Odin
1: I do okay,
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I am ready for the Avengers now, I think, right? That's next,
0: yeah, we're skipping the uh Ed Norton Hulk. sorry, Ed Norton Hulk.
1: We're not going to pay to watch you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just not. I think that's all I've got,
0: yeah. let's dive into the episode let's... because there's a lot to talk about here
1: there is um. Yeah, today we are going to be talking all about Lizzie McGuire, Season 2, Episode 22, Dear Lizzie. In this episode, Lizzie becomes the school's website advice columnist, but some of her advice backfires, and she realizes that some of the problems were more complex than she first thought. This episode aired on January 24th, 2003.
0: This was an interesting episode, and... I've I've definitely seen things that kind of play off of this kind of like school psychologist you know theme before. Actually, one of my favorite movies is Charlie Bartlett, which I feel like plays off this scene really well. And incidentally, stars uh you know obviously Anton Yelkin is the is Charlie Bartlett, but also uh, Kat Dennings, who we just saw in Thor, is also in that movie. So that's one of my favorite movies. And so you know, compared to that, this was fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I. Thought it was really interesting Stylistically it was pretty different From anything else we've seen It kept breaking into All of these secondary And tertiary characters Into their POVs And I thought that was really interesting
0: Except it wasn't really like their POV Well so it was their POVs For like a second And then it went a little strange Because well, then it was like Lizzie projecting Her own POV onto their POV
1: Right no I I'm just talking about the letters. I'm not talking about what happens next in the back half with like Lizzie's advice spirals. Okay. I'm just talking about like, you know, we learn a little bit more about Parker, who we haven't seen in a while.
0: Oh, is that Um, Parker?
1: Yeah, that was Parker.
0: (laughs) That's just random girl.
1: No, that's Parker with the, Uh Oh. Parker, you want to borrow my pants, you weirdo?
0: (laughs) I mean, that was a weird request. (laughs) It did not register in the in the moment that that was Parker, probably because she shows up so infrequently that I I forget what she looks like.
1: That's fair. I also thought that it was very interesting how like school oriented both of the stories were, how we kept flashing back between Lizzie's school and Matt's school. And for the first like 15 minutes, I was like, are Sam and Joe McGuire not even going to be in this episode?
0: Maybe Sam finally went to work.
1: Maybe. And Matt finally went to school.
0: Yeah. Um, Although why he was learning about Newton's laws of motions in history class was a little bit strange. (laughs) (laughs) Those seem like two different ideas. But uh, who am I to judge the curriculum?
1: So, yeah, there's a lot that feels different about this episode. Topically, tonally, structurally, Um, Miranda-less. I don't know. I think, do we just jump in? Let's just go go through it.
0: Yeah, we need to go through this because there's a lot in the details. And yeah. I'm going to get, if we just start talking about it, I'm going to be going all over the place. All over the
1: place. So let's keep it keep it in order. We start with, um, apparently, Gordo is the editor of the school. They call it an e-zine. It's like an, an online newspaper. Um, that's news to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's news to me as well. I've, I knew that... Lizzie had been part of the school newspaper right because she had to do that review about Miranda
1: right and her acting abilities yeah and
0: that was where she told Miranda she was a bad actress and that's why Miranda's not on the show anymore (laughs) but now apparently Gordo runs this organization and uh he does this under the guidance of back from sabbatical Ms. Dew
1: yeah, and I was just like, "Who the f is Miss Do? Like, where did this? Where did they get this lady?" I
0: did. I did appreciate that they brought in a new teacher. Now I'm, 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 uh, a little bit concerned that this means we'll never see Mr. Dig again. Like, has Ms., has Mr. Dig been replaced by Miss Dew back from sabbatical?
1: Oh, don't you worry.
0: I mean, I wasn't like super worried. But Ms. it was a thought that crossed my mind. No, Ms. Dew is a is a personality. Ms. Dew kind of reminds me in some ways of, um, this is going to be a really obscure reference, but uh, I believe there's a character in a series of unfortunate events called like Aunt Josephine. And I think in the movie she's played by Meryl Streep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the movie was bad. I forget who plays her in the series version, but that's what this kind of reminded me of. She's like a very eccentric old lady, has some very strange habits. Yeah. Isn't necessarily afraid of things the way that Aunt Josephine is afraid of things. But um, yeah, there was definitely like strange vibes. She like randomly smells mothballs that are coming from nowhere.
1: Yeah, Miss Dew is, I don't know, I have some questions about that sabbatical. But she very much wants to be a part of the narrative here. <laughs> so Lizzie is late and Gordo has already assigned all of the stories because apparently that's something that he is in charge of now.
0: So Gordo has mentioned now several times this season that he is a changed person, that he has evolved this season, and that, you know, some of the things that maybe might have disinterested him before are interesting or vice versa, and so, you know, I actually buy that he is now the, he's taken a leadership position here at the E-Zine.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's fair to say. A lot of growth happening off the screen.
0: I can't say the same thing for Lizzie, though, unfortunately.
1: Sadly, not the case. But yeah, she is late, as I have mentioned, and she asks Gordo what her assignment is. This is where we get the little aside that Miranda was supposed to sign her up for a story, but she's sick. But I'm not going anywhere. So that makes it excuse number two. What's a better excuse, Sam, visiting your aunt or being sick?
0: I mean, I guess being sick generally, but my question for Lizzie is, like, why would you give this responsibility to Miranda? And then if you knew that Miranda was sick, like, just sign up for yourself. I don't, like, (laughs) I don't really understand why this is a a plot point that happens. I know. I guess it's literally just so that Lizzie can say that Miranda is sick and so that, you know, we feel like we've got an explanation. But it just, it just brings up more questions for me. Like, Lizzie just... Sign up yourself. <laughs>
1: Take some responsibility. <laughs>
0: yeah. What What are you What are you doing? That's so important.
1: So then, Gordo suggests that Lizzie go and talk to Miss Dew, and very quickly she is inspired by the fact that Miss Dew used to be the advice columnist for her paper. So Lizzie is going to do that for the e-zine. Um, we get an apropos quip from Gordo where he's like, "You." You don't give advice. You take it. Lizzie is undeterred and is basically like, well, if you don't let me do it, then Ms. Dew will. That's
0: weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like it's not a requirement that you need to have an advice column.
1: No, it's not. And like, honestly, it's so this is so funny to me. And the entire arc of the advice column is baffling. Because everything up to this point has indicated that Lizzie is literally the last person who should be giving advice.
0: No, agreed. She uh, I feel like almost every other episode, the plot ends in her getting advice from her parents. Yeah, and even her parents' advice is not always good advice. No. So you know, she is either you know receiving bad advice or yeah, I don't know that I would I would trust Lizzie McGuire to give me advice. No.
1: And then we cut to the theme song, and we are back at school. It is lunch. Gordo has already put up an ad, and the e-zine is flooded with emails asking for advice. And my first thought is that, to me, it's really weird that they know that it's Lizzie, that the column is called Dear Lizzie. Usually, these things are pretty anonymous.
0: Are they? I feel like this... This at least checks out. If the column is called Dear Lizzie, then, and, you know, I feel like sometimes, you know, news, I feel like even the few people who get newspapers, by the few people, I mean the old people who still get newspapers. I feel like there's, like, columns that, uh, you know, will have, like, a specific person dedicated to answering questions. Like, I feel like this that was not outrageous, What was um, a little weird to me. And this was coming off the heels of, <laughs> you are now introducing Ted Lasso to... uh your parents and watching it for the second time. I happen to watch the episode that I'm about to reference now for the third time, but (laughs) there's the episode where Ted Lasso is like, here you go, here's a suggestion box, tell me all your suggestions. And the more accurate thing that happens (laughs) when there's just like a random solicitation of opinions or suggestions is just people insulting you or giving you bad suggestions, like I feel like the the idea that people are taking this seriously is more where I got tripped up.
1: Yeah, every all the advice is so, or all of the questions are so earnest and genuine. That's why I think it's weird that they know it's Lizzie. Like, I would find it more believable if it was just sort of like a an anonymous ask box or like a fake name, yeah, yeah. like no. like <laughs> like the fact that some of the people who are Like confiding in Lizzie and I understand that they the questions are all anonymous. So Lizzie doesn't know who's asking them. But the fact that like Kate and Claire would submit to this and ask Lizzie for advice just doesn't check out to me.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Especially given that this is completely, it seems, a student run endeavor. Like there's Miss Dew isn't checking this <laughs> inbox to yeah. make sure that all the things submitted are appropriate. Like this is going straight to Lizzie. This is a perfect opportunity for her to be cyberbullied.
1: <laughs> <a> major trolling. <laughs>
0: Especially from Kate and Claire.
1: Yeah. So that just that just didn't check out. But we start to hear some of the dear Lizzie's. And the way that we are told these questions is through each character's POV. First we get, I want to be an only child from Parker's POV. And she is super annoyed with her little sister who won't leave her alone, but her parents think that she is an angel. We also get shades of Parker being into Gordo in this clip.
0: Yeah, there's like a diary that her little sister is like running around with and reading and she's like, ooh, who's Gordo?
1: Perhaps seeds of something to come there. So we get the question and then we always cut back to Lizzie then reading out her advice. And Lizzie's advice to signed I want to be an only child sums up to put a lock on your door and start looking at out-of-state schools because your sister will always be annoying I'm annoying. Is that good advice?
0: I guess it's good advice. I don't know that it's necessarily going to solve your problem. I thought it was a little bit concerning that Lizzie's, like, buy a lock and then Parker buys, like, a padlock that you (laughs) might see at, like, a New York City apartment to, like, you know, keep out people just from generally like breaking into your house. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that that was fully necessary or that Parker's parents would have ever like, can you imagine just like going out and buying a lock and then installing it on your door (laughs) and your parents just being like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. This is a great idea.
1: No, (laughs) no,
0: Here's the thing, like Lizzie is in no position to give this advice because she suffers from the same thing and still hasn't found a way to resolve it. She, she, it seems, fights with Matt on a daily basis. And that one time we saw her insight into their dynamic, she basically viewed the world the same way Parker does.
1: Right, exactly. Where like, they think Matt is an angel who can do no wrong. That's such a good point.
0: If she had good advice, she would have used it in her own life. So I don't know that I can necessarily trust this bit of advice that she's giving to Parker.
1: Yeah, Lizzie is just not cut out for this. But that is her first column.
0: Yeah, Lizzie thinks that she's found her calling.
1: And, you know, for what it's worth, it is somewhat refreshing to see Lizzie doing something and having an interest. Maybe I should develop some interest. (laughs) And leaning into it.
0: I like Gordo as, you know, uh, head of the club. He seems to be very much in his element.
1: Yeah, and it really, he felt like a leader without the typical, you know, condescension that we sometimes see from him. Like he wasn't trying to micromanage or really control anything in a way that season one Gordo might have. So then we cut to the B story and surprise, we're at Matt's school.
0: Yeah, this really took me back because we open at Matt's school and they're doing the Pledge of Allegiance. And as an adult, looking back, it was kind of weird that we did the Pledge of Allegiance every day. Like, I can't imagine going into my corporate America job and everyone <laughs> standing up and doing the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, I, I don't know. It's just a, a weird thing that we did for a period of our lives.
1: Yep. <laughs> uh, propaganda of the state.
0: Uh, yeah, so that, that was something that we all did.
1: You know, respect to Adam Burton burping the pledge, even though that is Matt's signature move.
0: I wish that we had known that was Matt's signature move.
1: Did we not, though? I feel like we might have.
0: You've seen Matt burping the Pledge of Allegiance?
1: um, In an episode long, long ago, one of the other episodes.
0: Oh, man, I don't even Matt's remember school. that. We
1: may have seen this before. But, yeah, I think that Matt's storyline in this episode is really fun. It's really him... Attempting to keep his place as the class clown uh, His position is being threatened by another student And he's not happy about it
0: Yeah, um, and Melina is here like kind of as Matt's hype man She's like, don't worry, you're still the king for now I wish that uh, Melina had gotten a more active role
1: I agree, they could have She was underutilized in this episode They could have done more with Melina
0: Yeah, she's mellowing out
1: Um, And then we're back With Lizzie The advice column is really taking off 500 hits In one morning
0: I know are there even 500 students
1: (laughs) And it's so Yeah like I said it's so baffling that Literally everybody is asking Lizzie For advice The next letter we hear is from Claire um, and it basically Can be summed up as Kate smells And Claire (laughs) does not know how to tell her that
0: yeah, Just Kate,
1: brutal edit for Kate What the heck
0: Yeah Kate needs to use more deodorant And uh, Claire doesn't know how to tell her that And she's like Lizzie what do I do
1: Signed clean tween <laughs> What a jerk And Lizzie's advice is to Get your friend Right because she doesn't know Some new cool perfume It
0: seems like they do know though I don't know it was a little weird because uh, Lizzie and Gordo are kind of gossiping about it And I couldn't tell if they were able to, like, read between the lines and see that it was Claire and Kate or if they were just kind of laughing at the situation
1: in general. I'm not sure either. But, yeah, it's very strange. Um, It does hit on that, like, it really is that awkward age, right, where, like, you need to start wearing deodorant. Ugh, they just did Kate so dirty. Pun intended. Oof.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Savage. Um yeah, and so Lizzie's advice is to uh, just buy her perfume, basically.
1: I mean, I see where she's coming from here, right? It's a way to get what you want, essentially. Like, you get your friend the perfume, they start using the perfume, they smell better without hurting their feelings.
0: This is a temporary fix. Like, this She'll will be on- deodorant. This will only work one time. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't just after after you buy someone perfume a second time, it's a little bit suspicious. Marcia, did anybody ever buy you perfume? No. If someone had bought you perfume, would you have just accepted it or would you have known that something was strange?
1: I mean, if it's a random perfume gift that is a little strange I will say you know I take that back I have been given scented items by way of Bath and Body Works products on my birthday that is an acceptable time to give someone perfume but just randomly walking up to a friend in the locker room and being like hey I got this new perfume it smells so good you should have it I feel like that's a pretty strong signal thanks a lot you muggle oh (laughs) Then we get a montage of Dear Lizzie's. We see Lizzie's inbox going up. Everybody needs advice.
0: Yeah, not only are people sending in questions via email, they're also finding her in the hallways and just asking her advice between classes.
1: This is all so strange to me that Lizzie became this universal voice of reason for the people. Make it make sense. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yes, I I agree.
1: Um, back at Matt's school Things are going downhill for him And he's jealous
0: Yeah, I know um, Adam really seems to be Encroaching on Matt's space And Matt is going to go tell Adam Who's boss But when they finally confront each other Adam is very flattering to Matt Very much, uh, you know, respectful Enamored Enamored Shows some reverence He's like you know Matt, I'm a big fan of your work You're a comedy genius I hope to one day be as good as you And uh, Matt comes away from that conversation Feeling, you know, a little bit better uh, His ego has been stroked He's only human
1: But it's a setup <laughs>
0: It's all a lie <laughs> It's
1: all a lie Yes Yes, because Adam Burton has glued his teacher to her chair And Matt McGuire as well So young, so gullible And now Melina at this point is just like, maybe it's time to throw in the towel, Matt. Retire while you still have your dignity.
0: Yeah, no, this is a real bad look for Matt. This is uh, the beginning of what seems to be the end. And so Adam gets sent to the principal's office once again. You know, Matt, for some reason, really wants to be sent to the principal's office. And for some reason, whenever somebody gets sent to the principal's office, there's a round of applause. Just a big round of applause for the principal's office.
1: Yeah, round of applause. Some, like, electric guitar There's real reverence for the class clown. You're respected. Yes. Yeah, and then back at Lizzie's school, Lizzie comes to terms with the fact that maybe giving advice is not all it's cut out to be. Veruca, a nice little throwback. You know, I really like that this episode did pull Some of these tertiary characters that we have seen once or twice back into the fold here. Um, Some nice returning moments. This
0: might just be my perception and maybe I'm missing something from my memory, but I feel like Veruca only exists to get dunked on. (laughs) Like, does anything good ever happen to Veruca? (laughs) Or is she only here just so she can either, like, get bullied or express some sort of displeasure?
1: She's friends with the Dwarf Lord kids.
0: I know, and the Dwarf Lord kids were pretty universally like mocked by the end of that episode. They were like, oh, you weirdos, why are you out here playing Dwarf Lord Gordo? Come back to the light.
1: (laughs) No, I think that that's fair to say. I think that um, a lot of, in terms of like the optics of this episode, a lot of it comes into question in this scene. You know, she is being bullied by a girl named Cheryl who we have never seen before. And we'll never see again A black girl Which I think is worth noting Because just because um, You know Of the Frequent racial Insensitivities That this show Is That we've discussed Yeah
0: and I feel like I've heard you say that sentence Like multiple times Which I, I don't know It just feels like That doesn't Like the fact that you've said That sentence multiple times Is a little bit concerning
1: Yeah It's very concerning Um I do think it's also worth Mentioning Um Because I think it's relevant, too, in terms of Veruca, is that she, you know, is a fat character. Like what you've said about how she seems to only exist to get dunked on, that feels very not great either.
0: Basically, Veruca comes in, she's covered in food. Um, Yeah. It's very, very strange. And uh, basically, Lizzie's just given her some real bad advice. And uh, now Lizzie's going to have to deal with that guilt.
1: Yeah, because her advice is all bullies are cowards. Stand up to them once and they'll back off. You're so smart to figure that out, Lizzie. The problem is that Cheryl has friends. Three against one is just not good odds.
0: It's not. And so Veruca's been hiding in the garbage in the cafeteria for the past three hours. Nobody's gone looking for her. No one's concerned that she's not in class anymore. She's just been hiding out in the cafeteria garbage.
1: Yeah, and it was just really questionable to me that the characters that they cast as these bullies was like a girl gang of um made up of, you know, at least two girls of color when representation is pretty much non-existent on the show and then you typecast girls of color in these roles. I mean, what does that say? I just I hate it, quite frankly. And it's just so glaring. Watching it back now
0: Yes and then they never have a chance to redeem themselves
1: No they don't even have They don't have lines They don't exist outside of Veruca's flashback So
0: Also they're they're wizards Veruca like knocks or bumps into Cheryl And then turns around and bumps into her again In a different spot So she can uh, apparate
1: (laughs) She's everywhere and nowhere Yes yeah, the whole point of this scene is that Lizzie's advice has consequences. And she didn't think. And nothing gets out goulash. People, you're not making me happy. This really weighs on Lizzie. Um, she really yeah, cracks shut. She, she, quits.
0: Actually, she actually <laughs> I'm cr- done with this.
1: Yeah, one not ideal outcome and she just falls apart.
0: And here's the thing. like, If you want to have a... Lizzie could hypothetically quit, right? And someone else could just take over the advice column. If they had just made up kind of like a fake uh, pseudonym for just the advice. Right. Anybody could be giving the advice.
1: Exactly. That should have happened. They, they should not have put all of this weight on Lizzie's shoulders.
0: Dare I say they could even continue it being dear Lizzie and just have somebody else be giving the advice.
1: It's true. But she is quitting. She is not cut out for this. And Gordo's like, you can't quit. You win some, you lose some. It's fine. Um, (laughs) He's like, there's so much pressure. It's really unraveling here. And Gordo's like, okay, okay. I'll work with you here. I just need one more letter. This all felt very arbitrary to me. Like, no, you don't, Gordo. Like, you didn't feel like real stakes here. Like, he's like, I just need one more letter. Then you can hang up your pen
0: he has to get a new version of the e-zine out tomorrow. I don't know the cadence of this e-zine. It was a little unclear.
1: I felt like it was like every day. I felt like a <laughs> really, really fast turnaround.
0: So it was basically just a website. I understand. You give somebody bad advice, they end up hurting themselves. This is a, this is a lawsuit in the making, for sure. Especially because Lizzie's not like a, uh, a clinical psychologist, She's really in no position to be giving this advice So Not at all Maybe she's realizing what we've realized And you know I respect that realization from her
1: I do understand and really feel her on her desire to I I feel like in her shoes I would also be falling apart So I can't really judge her too much So Lizzie she needs one more letter But before we get to that, we have to flip back to Matt McGuire, who is, you know, still being put through the ringer by Adam. He should hang up his crown. It's over. Yeah. He thinks he's going to pull one over on him, but seems like this kid is now just one step ahead of the great Matt McGuire.
0: Yeah. And Matt's attempt to get back at Adam isn't even that original because his response is really just to, glue adam to his seat which is what adam had done to matt so it's the same prank and so you got to be more original if you really want to get to adam because he's gonna see that coming from a million miles away
1: it's true and there was another layer to this prank like he was trying to prank adam but he was also trying to prank the teacher by unlocking the wheels of her desk
0: yeah and i don't think he even knew that they were going to go over newton's laws of motion in that class so that was very appropriate
1: yeah good timing but once again, Matt McGuire is the butt of this joke. Adam gets credit for Matt's prank.
0: Well, not only that, Adam switched his desk and Matt's desk, so Matt ends up being the recipient of his own prank.
1: Yes, and that I'm is- the funny one. Yeah, that's where we get the cl- the clip of the episode. <laughs> yeah, it hit me. It very ra- it, it, it resonated. I feel like that's I feel that way sometimes.
0: That you're the funny one?
1: Or that I'm trying to be the funny one, but I'm not. No. And Melina at this point is just like, you're done. Stick a fork in you.
0: He is. He's. Uh, His moves are washed up.
1: Okay. So now we're back with Lizzie. Lizzie is trying to pick out her final letter. And this is where the episode goes a little bit sideways for me. You know, with each letter so far, we have gotten a glimpse into the characters who are writing the letters POVs, which we still get. But now Lizzie is kind of overthinking and anxiety spiraling about her potential answers and the consequences to those answers. And then we are also getting those visions as well.
0: Yeah, so Lizzie is, is feeling just really bad about what happened to Veruca. And it's really messing with her ability to give kind of like guilt-free advice to people. Because now she's just imagining like if if I do this, then this will happen. But you know, that's a lot of conjecture.
1: Yeah, so the first one we get is Ethan's. Um, people think that he's just a pretty face, signed more than good hair. How do how does he get people to see to see him?
0: How does Lizzie know it's Ethan?
1: <laughs> you know what? That is a really great point. That feels like a plot hole.
0: Oh my god, I mean, yeah, how does Lizzie know th- that, like, these are any of these people, like, she's kind of just Their anonymity guessing. does
1: not even matter at yeah. this point, because Lizzie just knows She just knows, she's just assuming Yeah, plot hole But you're so right, like, she definitely can put together who is who, at least, even if it's unstated yeah, so they
0: so that makes me feel like she and Gordo did know that Claire was the one who thought that Kate had bad body odor.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It just it doesn't make sense.
0: And so now Lizzie and Gordo know that uh, Kate is older than she says she is. She has body odor. Her mom is absent,
1: and she's unhappy. <laughs>
0: and she's un- And she's unhappy.
1: Good insights for my future Kate POV book. But yes, so Lizzie's advice to Ethan. Um, to more than good hair But to Ethan Is stop concentrating on your looks And hit the books And then she imagines that the consequence Of this is that Ethan Shaves his head
0: Oh a shaved head Ethan craft. I liked how they shifted To like Ethan's point of view So you can't actually see Ethan And when they walk by Kate uh, She just like screams and falls to her knees <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny Yeah Props to uh, Clayton Snyder for doing the bald cap. It would have been more impressive if he actually shaved his head, but can't have everything, I guess.
1: It was a pretty obvious bald cap.
0: (laughs) It was. How'd you feel about that, Clayton? My day is proceeding with fineness.
1: His brain, just all that air, all that airflow.
0: But it was all imaginary. It took me a minute to realize what was happening here. I feel like with this first clip. But then after I understood the pattern, then I understood what, what it was trying to do. Like at first I thought that this was like the advice that Lizzie actually gave and then this was actually happening.
1: Oh yeah, I did too. And, but then we flipped back to her in front of the computer screen and realizing that this was all just her thought process.
0: So next we get Kate. Kate is pretty and popular and has incredible f- uh, fashion sense. So why isn't she happier?
1: I would say it's because she is neglected
0: I mean that could be that could be a reason I I would say yes
1: But Lizzie's take is that she is selfish and needs to stop thinking about herself and start thinking about others Which you know Lizzie McGuire that is really pot calling the kettle black here
0: and so then Lizzie extrapolates this out to Kate joining the Peace Corps, but then going into some sort of remote jungle and getting eaten by cannibals.
1: Okay, so you—that that is your interpretation of what happened.
0: That was not your interpretation of what happened?
1: No, it is. I, I framed it a little differently, but basically the same result. That like indigenous people of that region kill Kate.
0: Oh, I mean, and they were clearly about to eat her. <laughs>
1: this is so messed up.
0: Yeah, no, it was really strange.
1: Um, Talk about another, another point in the, you know, cultural insensitivity. And I mean, like, straight up racism column for Lizzie McGuire.
0: So I guess
1: don't join the Peace Corps? That would be the takeaway here. Yeah. And then we get uh, Larry Tudgman, signed Captain with No Ship. He is brilliant, witty, and debonair, but other students don't realize it. He just wants to fit in.
0: Yeah, we know that Larry is uh, really a a deep, sensitive guy. Boy bands are a trend. The circulatory system is forever. (laughs) (laughs) But he's just misunderstood.
1: Yeah, and Lizzie's advice here is to make more of an effort to, you know, join in, socialize yourself, yeah, this it. one was
0: probably the one that made the least sense because <laughs> Lizzie is like, go join a club. And then she anticipates Larry trying to join a club, not being allowed to join the club,
1: <laughs> and then becoming a Marvel esque supervillain.
0: Your advice is probably good advice. Like, Larry should be. And it, actually, maybe it's not. Okay, so good advice is like, maybe the wrong term, not bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> would be a better probably way to classify it Because Larry actually is involved in clubs As we mentioned he is a key participant in the Dwarf Lord Club
1: Yeah I think that Lizzie just has very defined lines of what is socially acceptable and what is not And she wants to be in that socially acceptable column if you will Yes, but Um,
0: basically out of this, uh, Larry develops a deep resentment that will haunt him for the rest of his life to the point where he becomes an evil super genius, so much to the point where he begins to blackmail President Ethan Kraft (laughs) and First Lady uh, Kate Saunders.
1: Yeah, or Kate Kraft, perhaps.
0: Or Kate Kraft, perhaps, and uh, Ethan's assistant, Lizzie McGuire.
1: (laughs) Um, Advisor.
0: Advisor, assistant, I mean, I feel like the advisor would need to assist Ethan in a lot of tasks.
1: I just wrote, my note here is Lizzie's imagination is wild. Like, how how did we get here? Yeah, she's
0: really spiraling right now.
1: Truly. And so, so what, yeah. does
0: she, what does she do? She goes to ask for advice because she's in no position to be giving advice. She needs advice from other people, as Gordo mentioned at the top of the episode.
1: Yeah, and who does she go to but Sam and Joe McGuire, who were notably absent for the bulk of this episode. Um, and I missed their presence.
0: This is why Matt never goes to school, because when he goes to school, there's nothing for the parents to do.
1: Yeah, and we, we love their quirky energy. I really did love how this scene was played out, because it just had Sam McGuire being so aware and on point. Yeah. And he knew what was up, and he knew what Lizzie needed in that moment. She has this perception of her dad as being clueless and not really in the know about her life, so it's always nice to see that he can prove her wrong.
0: Yeah, it doesn't take a genius to see where this is going. You just need to give the best advice you can and don't worry about the outcome.
1: I mean, not really great advice, but... I do appreciate <laughs> I do appreciate the sentiment that Lizzie can't control everything Keep doing it and you know, whatever happens, happens You'll figure it out Sit back, relax and answer the next letter that comes your way
0: Yeah, and then Sam McGuire is like, did you see what a good job I did? I know, I'm good <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't toot your own horn there, mister And then Lizzie has this epiphany, and she runs back up to her computer, and she opens the next letter, and she's like, this is perfect. I've got this.
0: Yes, but before we can find out which letter she has selected, we have to go back to school. Uh, And so Matt ends up conceding to Adam. He's like, Adam, you are the best, and I relinquish my crown to thee. And so then they're about to go into the class, and Matt's like, you first, and... There's a bucket of water on the ceiling, and uh, Adam's not buying it. He's like, ha, 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 you think you've got me? You are wrong. I see what you're trying to do.
1: Yes, but Matt has planted a fake prank before the real prank, and he nails it. He sticks the landing. He pretty much, like, tars and feathers this kid. A huge vat of maple syrup pours over his head, and then... He sticks Matt is great Matt is number one post-it notes all over him
0: to, to, to do a prank is not enough you also have to like it's kind of like when you're a graffiti artist and you have a tag like you have to make sure that people also know that it was you so that you get that respect
1: you need credit yeah Um. and he is elated to be sent to the principal's office once more Um. everything order has been restored all is right in the universe He gets his like rock music send off, his claps.
0: And he yeah, slow motion.
1: Yeah, and he's back. He's back, baby. And then we get to the last scene. What a what a turn Lizzie McGuire takes here.
0: Yeah. So it turns out that the last letter that Dear Lizzie is ever going to answer is from Confused Guy.
1: Yeah, and I think we should I think we should just play this clip, honestly. You wanna Um, hear
0: from Confused Guy himself? Yes. Any guesses on who can conf- <laughs> who could confused guy possibly be? Hey, did you get my call? Yep, and I see you had it in you to answer one last letter. Well, I couldn't let confused guy down. You didn't. What? Nothing. Um, looks like everything's ready to go here. <laughs> Dear Lizzie. I think I may like my best friend as more than a friend. What, do I like have something in my face? <laughs> you're perfect. What should I do? Signed, Confused Guy. Dear Confused, I wish I could tell you what to do, but I can't.
1: Hey guys, you ready to go? Yeah.
0: Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to walk through a good class. Standing up to our bully didn't really work, but we did learn that there's safety in numbers. Come on, we're gonna be late. All I can say is just follow your heart. It'll tell you what's right. Lizzie, wait. Um, there's something I need to tell you. Yeah? You give great advice.
1: for the taking <laughs> disappearance at the making of a love so sublime right here and
0: now. <laughs> Sorry, I had to play that <laughs> <laughs> had to play out the music at the end because that is, of course, the bop right here and now by J.J. Ferris. It only took me about 20 minutes to figure that out.
1: Wait, you actually found it?
0: I didn't find the song itself, but I'm very confident that that is the actual title of the song and artist behind the song. I feel like he's one of those people who just, like, makes royalty-free music that then just gets used, but I'm not 100% sure because this song basically doesn't exist on the internet. But I'm very confident that I found the correct song. And it is J.J. Ferris's, uh 2007 unknown hit right here and now.
1: <laughs> we have deduced that this is another play moment, correct? That this does not seem to be what the original song was.
0: Yes, apparently the original song was a song called Out of Reach by British pop trio B.B. Mac. And I don't know that song we yeah. That song is perhaps like more – that's very on the nose. I was
1: just going to say the same thing.
0: That song was perhaps – so
1: that's – I've never
0: heard that song before, but that song is also a bop.
1: Yeah, I mean, it does scream 2002, (laughs) alt-rock. But yeah, I mean, can we just like unpack –
0: I mean here's What's the,
1: happening in the scene Or are can, we still No I'm rest- still on the song
0: I'm still on the song <laughs> right now So that song is obviously Like very on the nose And for licensing reasons They probably couldn't in, Couldn't include it In the Disney Plus version Or probably any version After uh, they aired it originally But um, yeah The song that they end up using Definitely doesn't have The lyrical sensibility Of uh, you're out of reach But you're so close Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, because the song, the uh right here, right now lyrics that we get are uh right here and now all we need is for the taking, disappear inside the making of a love so sublime. That's a little bit uh you know, probably a couple steps ahead of where Gordo and Lizzie are. That's you know, not necessarily the the uh the tone. The tone of the scene. (laughs) No. Yeah, they are out of reach, but you're so close. (laughs)
1: This is true.
0: So although J.J. Ferris' uh, right here and now is indeed a bop, I don't know that it is the correct bop for this moment. So I wish that we had gotten the out of reach, but you're so close version.
1: I appreciate that take.
0: It only took me half an hour to sort through all of this (laughs) musical drama.
1: Yeah, listener, Sam was incredibly invested in this moment.
0: I need to give the listeners the all the right content, right? The right, the correct takes. So, yeah, yeah. Don't want to be spitting some falsehoods here on the podcast.
1: Absolutely not. Um, but can we talk about what is actually happening in this scene?
0: Yes, Lizzie's perfect, as uh, Gordo mentions.
1: Sometimes it's like I'm too perfect. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it feels like such an out of left field turn. You know, we have been getting little seeds of this throughout the course of the season, but since we've been seeing it all so out of order, there really hasn't been a clear arc building toward this moment.
0: Yeah, it's because Miranda's gone. (laughs) That's the only reason this is happening, is because Miranda's not there.
1: But this is important because this feeds into... I don't even know if I can tell you because no spoilers, but this is important.
0: You're going to say for, I mean, I know it's important for the movie, but you've, I feel like you've also spoiled to me that Miranda isn't in the movie. She's not. So this is all only happening because Miranda is not there. I think that if Miranda was there, you know, this wouldn't have happened.
1: What would have happened?
0: Well, that's not for me to conjecture about who do you think I am, Lizzie? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just know that, you know, I don't think it would have happened this way. I think that Lizzie would have been out of reach and probably too far away.
1: I could see it, though. I mean, I appreciate earnest, awkward feelings. I think that Adam Lambert plays this scene really well. His expressions and reactions are extremely on point. Um, I love a good friends-to-lovers trope in romance. Here for that. But I still... You know, we have been watching this show for, you know, over a year. Um, this is episode 50-something in this journey. And I'm still not quite sure why Lizzie and Gordo are best friends. Or what they like about each other. Or, like, what really bonds them. I don't know what they connect over.
0: Uh, me either. That's a great question. And I thought you I don't... were going
1: to say Miranda.
0: Oh, I mean, that's a great answer. You just answered the question. Miranda is the glue that holds. It's Miranda. Yeah, no, Miranda. Gordo likes Miranda. Miranda is Lizzie. And so that's what bonds them together.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Just like in terms of them as a romantic pairing, just like. It's like I, I want to be more invested in it than I think I actually can be because we're not really given much. And it, and it's really because there are no real character arcs on this show, right? Like it's because of the format and yeah. just the episodic nature. But now that they're kind of plugging into a, you know, a multi-episode storyline, it's just, it's hard for me to really get invested at this point.
0: I think that Lizzie's advice to Gordo would have been different if Lizzie had known that it was Gordo talking about her.
1: Well that's the thing. So Lizzie is able to deduce every other every other <laughs> letter, but she has absolutely no idea that confused guy is Gordo.
0: I know. Confused guy, not exactly subtle <laughs> in his message.
1: Yeah, and then he 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 kinda tells on himself because she says, I couldn't let confused guy down. And Gordo was like, you didn't. She's like, what?
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure Lizzie, like, doesn't really want this this kind of heat right now. And it's all because of Miranda.
1: Thanks a lot, Miranda. Come back. And then we get that moment at the end, right, where it's like he wants to tell her. He wants to take her advice. But well, he's yeah, not, but he he's not ready. not has to follow his
0: heart. And it'll tell you what's right
1: just not ready we have to we have to stretch this out
0: it doesn't make sense because he was clearly ready that time that he came over with flowers or whatever and saw her making out with shy ronnie <laughs> so like you know i I don't know what your end game is gordo you're sketching me out yeah slow down there dawson's creek
1: and that's how the episode ends with the song uh there's this like really to me hilarious moment like the reason we start laughing when we're watching this clip Is just this, like, slow-mo smiling That breaks out on their faces Like, it's just very, it's very corny Very saccharine
0: Yeah, and there's, like, a very, like, early 2000s thing About the slow-mo, too Where it's kind of, like, the the shutter changes And so it's not, like, slow motion In, like, a, a premium drama Where it's just very cinematic It's very much, like, early 2000s music video it's kind of blurry because the frames are just like blending against each other uh yeah it's just it's very of the time
1: but yeah that is Lizzie McGuire season two episode 22 dear Lizzie a real shift in format as we are in the final quarter of this adventure Sam are we ready to talk about some outfits
0: I'm ready to talk about some outfits, starting with Lizzie wearing a, I don't know, it feels like a shirt for an old person. I'm just going to be real. Like, this looks like an old person shirt.
1: So, she is wearing a classic, you know, early to mid-2000s look where you have a blouse that is, you know, pretty see-through, but it's okay because you're wearing a camisole underneath it. And you're right, the color palette here is very, like, grandma's tablecloth, if you will.
0: That's the perfect description. It is grandma's tablecloth.
1: I don't know what, is that supposed to be, like, Lizzie the paparazzo? Like, what is happening in that cartoon?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Miss um, Dew, though. You know, Miss Dew with uh, an interesting suit.
1: Miss Dew looks like a slightly more eccentric Joe McGuire.
0: She does a little bit. Yeah, that uh, I see that.
1: She has some pom-poms in her hair, shades of Miranda, some glasses around her neck, and a power suit, quite frankly. Yeah. Lizzie's hair in this episode was very aspirational. The The straight hair with the very angled fronts, um, it was a style that I emulated for years, actually.
0: For years?
1: Yeah, that was like my middle school haircut, bangs and dowel. Oh, wow. Yeah. Matt looks like himself throughout the episode
0: Yeah, I mean, none of the outfits here were that cr- I mean, I feel like it's because Miranda's missing We don't get any, like, fun outfits
1: Yeah, Miranda really brought the style, I think um,
0: Yeah, even in the dull episodes You could always count on Miranda having something to, you know, for us to talk about
1: Yeah, no more Union Jack sightings <laughs> No, none at all like we mentioned already um, Clayton Snyder rocks it bald
0: Yes he does Do you like how um, So he's wearing a hoodie And it looks like He's taken the two ties At the end they of the hoodie And tied them,
1: toge-
0: <laughs> tied them together Tied them together I've a, never seen that before Actually
1: But that is such a good character detail Because I could totally be that I could totally see that being something That Ethan would do
0: <laughs> He's like What are these two strings I don't know <laughs> well, it's The only them logical them. thing to do Is tie them together
1: Yeah, that's very, very (laughs) detailed. I appreciate it. You can totally see the lines of his bald cap. It's such a bad job. Well,
0: you know, they weren't expecting people like us to microanalyze this bald cap and zoom (laughs) in on it the way we are.
1: I think it's interesting that Kate has pretty much been reduced to being in her cheerleader uniform this episode.
0: Yeah, except, except when she's in the Peace Corps.
1: Right. I just think that that's an interesting choice because that isn't typically something we get. Claire, too. Yeah.
0: I mean, she Kate does get to wear this red um
1: madam first lady suit.
0: Yeah, the madam first lady suit.
1: Yeah, the Selena Meyer.
0: That was more uh vice president.
1: Yes. Suit. But I do feel like Kate would bring some Selena energy to the White House.
0: That's so. fair and Larry would bring some Jonah energy. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Just some straight up narcissism.
0: Yeah. No, I see that. I don't know yeah. that there's that much else to discuss here. No. Very uh very light on eccentric outfits today.
1: The fashion has become more muted and understated over time, which yeah. is interesting as they have grown up. Indeed. Okay. Well, we've made it to the end of the episode. It is time to call out our MVPs. Do you have a strong a strong pick here?
0: I do have a strong pick here. Although I don't know if you're going to think it's a strong pick, but I I think it's a strong pick. Go for it. MVP of Season 2, Episode 22, Dear Lizzie, Ethan Craft. Ooh! like
1: Tell me more.
0: Bald Cap and President, same episode. (laughs) Too good. And I feel like this has been building for Ethan because I feel like there's been a couple episodes where uh, I haven't given anything to Ethan Craft when he probably could have deserved it. So... You know, I feel like a culmination of that, but just yeah, the bald cap moment, which was just, I feel like the big shocking moment of the episode, <laughs> um, especially for such a good-looking guy with such great hair, like Ethan Kraft, and the self-awareness even to know that like he's more than just his good looks. He's he has other things to offer if people would just let him share that about himself. It uh, just made me feel like Ethan Kraft Was uh, a really strong contender for MVP in this episode
1: I appreciate that pick I don't know, I'm a little bit conflicted Part of me wants to give it to Gordo Because I did like seeing him in this leadership role With the E-zine You know, really leaning into the advice column And kind of hyping up Lizzie and her success with it Something we didn't talk about but is what's making me hesitant to give it to him is I do feel a little bit weird about the fact that he wrote to her. I don't know. It feels weird to me. that.
0: Are, are you saying that a uh, an MVP for Gordo this week is out of reach but it's so close?
1: Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I mean, do you think it's weird that he wrote to her knowing that she would see it and that he would act on – Advice that she is giving to him but doesn't know that she's giving to him it just it feels a little
0: No, I don't think it's weird because if she write, he's he's wondering like if he can write this to her And she's like you should go for it. It gives him license to say something But she didn't do it that explicitly. She was more like you have to look within yourself where I feel like he was hoping that maybe she would say something like you know you have to tell her how you feel Otherwise you know you will resent You will regret it forever right, And that but, could be like what, the, what he was looking for
1: But like you said Her response would be different If she knew it was Gordon Like it just feels like a Like a cop out and a little bit like
0: Oh I mean it is a little bit of a cop out But he's you know he's a middle school boy So you know you can't expect Like serious emotional maturity from him
1: That's fair, I guess. I mean, it's not fair. Let's stop giving boys a pass for their behavior.
0: I mean, that's not to say that the girls in this have some emotional growing up to do as well. That's true. If
1: only he were my boyfriend, I'd be the luckiest girl in all the land. Yeah. I don't know. I honestly think that I'm just going to throw it over to Matt McGuire.
0: Oh, Matt McGuire.
1: Um, He just always brings me joy. He always brings me a solid clip for the soundboard. And he is funny. And he reclaimed his space. And we love to see it.
0: Wow. All right. So let me do a quick tally here. Oh, wow. All right. So after this quick calculation, Marissa, with your MVP for Matt McGuire... It appears that Matt McGuire has jumped over Lizzie by half a point.
1: Oh, man, this is getting really intense. But, like, rightfully so. I feel like, overall, we enjoy Matt McGuire more than Lizzie. I would be okay with a a victory for Matt. And I think Jake Thomas is more likely to come on our podcast, quite frankly. (laughs) So that would be a bonus.
0: And, you know, look at Ethan. Climbing up the leaderboard, he's almost caught up to Gordo.
1: It's very interesting to see where people are falling on the totem pole here. Yeah, so they got Twelve
0: in 12 a movie.
1: Twelve in a movie. I mean, really, it's it's not anybody's game. It's Matt or Lizzie's to win or lose. But really, it could go either way at this point. We just have to see who who pulls through with some strong strong performances in the end game.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it's interesting how this has turned out because I feel like looking at this chart, it is indicative of how we viewed most of the episodes in this series. As left field as some of these choices have been. over
1: (laughs) (laughs) Chimpanzee. He has a name. His name is Fredo. Show some respect. And on that note, it's another episode of the Alpha Repeaters. Season 2, episode 22, Dear Lizzie. As always, you can follow us at Outfit Repeat Pod on Twitter. Email us at Outfit Repeaters Podcast at gmail.com.
0: As always, this episode will be available at our website, www.paginatedmedia.comslash Outfit Repeaters, and it will also be available on any platform our podcasts are available. We have a very busy week coming up here at Paginated Media on Thursday. We will be Coming out with a new episode of Crowning Around. We've finished season one of The Crown. But before we dive into season two, we have some fun mid-season content. And we're going to kick that off with the 2010 Oscar-winning film, The King's Speech. So if you want to hear us revisit The King's Speech ten years later, none of us have seen it in the past ten years since it came out. But it is definitely an interesting movie to check back in on ten years later. We are going to do that. Tom Hooper, of course, has gone on to great success as the acclaimed director of Lace Miserables and Cats. So uh, in a true story of one burning one's career to the ground, we always love to examine that. And uh, Marissa, I believe you have some news coming up here as well.
1: I do. And, you know, I was debating whether to share it now or to kick it off at the beginning of next week's episode. But I can do it in both places, can't I?
0: You can indeed.
1: Yeah. So, Older and Wiser, a younger podcast talking about all things publishing in Younger, hosted by myself and my friend Kelsey Rodkey. The podcast that we have been teasing for, you know, a few months now and that Sam has been teasing for <laughs> the same amount of time is happening and it is premiering. At the end of the month. The very end of the month, in fact. Um, our pilot premiere will be released on a Wednesday, March thirty first. Very exciting.
0: Yeah, you know, Kelsey used to come ask us questions, but uh I guess she just doesn't care anymore and now she
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so yeah, a lot a lot happening. This little this little podcast platform that could is growing once more. So We're giving you some Lizzie McGuire on Tuesdays, some Younger on Wednesdays, and The Crown on Thursdays.
0: Yeah, just every version of people named Elizabeth in pop culture, we will be (laughs) talking about them.
1: And in the meantime, of course, we will be back next Tuesday for another episode of The Outfit Repeaters, where we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 23, Clueless. (laughs) We love a good murder mystery party. Love it.